2: She's here to give you those extra tips that you don't always get from other health and wellness programs. Kristen has all the bases covered and just a bit more. Now, here is your host, Kristen Harper.
3: Hello, listeners. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. Today is going to be a wonderful episode. We're going to cover uranium toxicity on hair tests. And I have the best of the best when it comes to experts on this topic. It's an honor to have these guests with me today. I have and actually, we'll be covering the damaging effects of uranium toxicity on health. Uranium toxicity revealed on hair tests. Natural uranium, there's three isotopes, U234, 235, 238. We'll be talking about the sources of uranium, uh, uranium mining, and so much more. And so let me go over my first guest bio, Dr. Dr. Tommy Rock. He is a member... Of the Navajo Nation from Monument Valley, Utah, currently he is the first one from his family to receive a doctoral degree. He received his bachelor's degree from Arizona State University in Environmental Geography and Recreational Management in 2002. He also received a master's degree from Northern Arizona University in 2008. He went to the University of New Mexico for two years as a research scientist, one, under Johnny Lewis, PhD. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He was involved in the Danae project. He was funded under, it was actually funded under the National Institute of Environmental Health Supplement Grant. Afterwards, he worked at Navajo Nation Environmental Protection Agency Public Water System Supervision Program. And then that is when he went back to Northern Arizona University to pursue a doctoral degree and received a PhD from Northern Arizona University in the School of Earth Science and Environmental Sustainability and he's been researching uranium for such a long time. The next guest is Malcolm Benali, author, photographer, community organizer and multimedia specialist at University of New Mexico. Malcolm Benali is the author of Bitter Water Dene, Oral Histories of the Navajo Hopi Land Dispute. University of Arizona Press, May 2001. He has a BA in English, Communication, and Journalism. And then also we have another guest, Chris Shuey. He has a master's in public health. He is the director of the Southwest Research of Information Center, co-investigator for Navajo Birth Cohort Study Environmental Influence on Child Health, outcomes and the Danae project and other projects as well and I'm so excited to have these guests on and before we get started talking about uranium toxicity I just would like to introduce Cindy Bartz. Um, I'm so excited she will be holding an online women's summit and I was invited to speak for this online summit and there's going to be other speakers there as well and I will be speaking on how to fatigue naturally hi Cindy how are you hi hi Chris it's nice to uh, hear your voice again oh yes definitely and um, definitely have to get to know Cindy uh, I recently got to meet her and she's a very very nice kind woman a very compassionate just a very classy ladies uh, welcome to my show <laughs> thank uh- you Yes, so could you just let my listeners know more about this online women's summit? If you could let my listeners know the date and the number of speakers and how they can actually participate and attend this event. Yeah, so
1: the name of the summit is called Ageless Beauty Secrets from the Masters. And it's free. It's a free online summit. It starts on April 21st and it goes through the 27th. And I have a total of 21 speakers that will be speaking on various uh, topics, mostly for women over the age of 40 and including, um, Chris, your, your talk on beat fatigue, other types of topics. I have a doctor who will be talking about improving your digestion I have a couple other speakers who will be talking about food allergies and eliminating toxins. I have a, um, a an author who will, who, who will not only be giving you a copy of her digital book, but the book is on Finding Your Mojo, which I love that title. Um, so she's going to be speaking on that. So the entire conference and summit is all based on how to... Really move gracefully and and stay healthy and vibrant and youthful in what I call the second prime of your life, which is after forty.
3: Awesome. this will be a great summit. Um, people that actually attend, women that attend, they're going to learn so much from experts. I mean, you have some amazing experts uh, that will uh, that are um, speakers. I mean, you have um, even a TEDx speaker, correct?
1: Yes, I've got TEDx speakers. I have an award-winning film producer who talks about her transformation and how, how that all came about when she was actually producing a film. And the other thing, too, is each of the speakers have generously given at least one free gift. And so by signing up, there's actually a value of over $1,500 in all of the gifts. And these are digital copies of books, guided meditations, yoga practices, many different types of free giveaways for just signing up for for the summit itself. And basically, each master that will be
3: interviewed
1: is giving you their best tips and techniques to stay healthy and vibrant
3: yes this is absolutely um, amazing and I really appreciate the opportunity Cindy and so do you plan to do more of these summits in the future yes I do (laughs) definitely and um,
1: this is actually the first one that I've I've produced and hosted but we just started promoting it over the weekend and I've already got over a thousand people that have signed up. So I'm like, yay! <laughs> so it's going to be really, really great. The other thing is, is this is only the first of many events that going forward that I plan on doing. And some of those will be online, but I also plan on doing some. Some events where we can all come together physically as a group, and really the intention is is to support women and educate women as they go through the change in life.
3: Yes, um, absolutely. So, and I I know it just takes a lot of um, time and effort to put these. Um, events on and you've I know that you've worked so hard on this summit just because I've been in communication with you and you've done some really great work and also can you just talk about the sponsor real quick about the DJ which was really really generous so I
1: have I have five sponsors one is a musician composer and DJ and he is Giving everyone that um, goes to the summit, he's giving away one of his albums. The movie, the music is very vibrant. It has a real energetic vibe to it. And he also composed the music that is going to be used for the summit. So that's kind of cool. And then I have uh, four other sponsors. One is an herbal company that is giving away some uh, types of herbal suggestions. Um, I myself is uh, is also a a sponsor and I'm giving away a four-part yoga series. And then I also have a spiritual success mentor and she's giving away free consultations. And then my fifth sponsor is the award-winning film producer, and she's giving away copies of her movie, which is Sacred Journey of the Heart, which is all about how to really connect with your true self and finding what is your purpose in life, really, is, is the gist of it.
3: Right, okay. So um, this is going to be an amazing event. And again, I appreciate the opportunity. And Cindy, if my listeners want to attend this event, what website do they go to? And then also for any future events that you're going to be putting on, how can they get in touch with you and get more information? Yeah, so for
1: more information about the online summit, the best address to go to would be anti anti Aging Summit, dot com, And you can read all about it and register at that address. You can also, I've got a link to meet the masters. And if you click on that link, you can actually read about each of the speakers and what they will be talking about and what their giveaway is. So go out to the website and see that. For my own personal uh, information, you can go out to my website, which is CindyBart, C-I-N-D-Y-B-A-R-T-Z.com.
3: Awesome. And then if you have any future events, you'll be putting those events on your personal website, right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. And right awesome.
1: now, if you go out there under the events, you'll see the online summit that I'm doing. But I'm working on some other events to be announced later (laughs) we want to get through this one first but i do have some other events that will be coming up yet
3: okay well i just want to thank you so much for your hard work i know it takes a lot of time and effort to put this event on and also future events so thank you so much and it's been really nice getting to know you cindy all right take care you take care listeners know uranium is a natural occurring element in the earth and is present in most soils rock and water its concentration is in the earth's crust is about three parts per million which is a higher concentration than for silver tin cadmium and mercury and similar to the concentrations of arsenic and um concentrations of arsenic. Higher concentrations of uranium can be found in granite formations. Natural uranium is found in three isotopes, U-234, U-235, and U-238. And over 99% of this mixture is U-238. Although radioactive, the alpha emissions from naturally occurring uranium uranium is not considered a health hazard compared to enriched uranium in the form of a higher percentage or concentration of U-235. Enriched uranium is produced for use in nuclear energy and contains approximately 3 percent U-235, while further enrichment for weapons contains over 97 percent. Both are highly radioactive. And exposure to these forms present a serious health hazard. Depleted uranium contains less U-235 and is not as radioactive. And I just wanted to mention that I've been working with clients all over the world reviewing hair tests since 2009. And I've been reviewing my own hair tests since 2001 I used to use another laboratory, a hair analysis laboratory in Phoenix, Arizona called Analytical Research Labs. Their hair tests do not test for uranium. So last year, this is kind of a more of a recent thing. Last year, I switched laboratories and now I I send all the hair samples to Trace Elements in Texas. And the hair tests at Trace Elements do test for uranium. So what I'm noticing is some of my clients out here in Mojave County, Arizona, their tests are showing high uranium. Um, also, I have a friend. She is a hair analysis practitioner. She's in Las Vegas. She's seeing hair tests in Las Vegas with high uranium. I have another friend. She's a practitioner out in California, hair analysis practitioner. And she's has seen over and over again high uranium. So hair tests are showing... Uranium toxicity. And I want to say that it's important to identify the source. We need to, the most important is finding the source. When you're toxic in these um, elements, okay, it's important to identify the source and then you need to reduce your exposure. And then it's also important to r- remove the toxin. Okay, so we'll talk more about that and steps that you can take um, for removal. So what we need to do here is. Go to a short break right now, and then when we come back, I will be interviewing my three guests. I have a bunch of questions for them, and actually, we have a couple of minutes left, so let's just get into it before we take a break here. Malcolm, Dr. Rock, and Chris Shuey. I had a couple of people post on Facebook, and the first lady, and they were talking about Uranium. Uh, The first lady said, there is a lot of misinformation about uranium out there. Many people do not realize how much uranium is in the Grand Canyon and Colorado River. A chunk of uranium the size of a thimble you can hold for 1,000 years continuously. And that exposure is equal to about one dental x-ray. It is once it is processed it becomes very hazardous. But in its natural form, unprocessed form, it is not as people tend to classify it. How do you feel about this? this if you could comment on the statement. Do you agree?
4: Um, well, this is Malcolm Finale. Um, yes. I think um, in our communities here on the Navajo Reservation, um, right now we're doing a study before it was a five-year project called the Navajo Birth Cohort Study, and now it's transitioning into um, what's called the Navajo Birth Cohort Study: Environmental Influences on Early Child Health Outcomes. And it's a environmental health research project that's um, funded by the National Institute of Health and um, we're taking participants from mother-child cohorts. And um, I think also part of the outreach that is very important is using the Navajo language in getting a lot of the clarity across to both young and old in our communities. And the Navajo communities are some of the most affected by living near uranium mining and abandoned uranium mines for the last 80 years. And a lot of um, our traditional culture, we live off of land. Um, A lot of the water that we use is closest to the ground. Um, Natural springs, um, water holes, and um, even the windmills are all water that is closest um, to the ground and a lot of the contamination i would assume is is from that also the food that we collect is off the land and i think um communicating a lot of that back into the navajo language and community communicating that to the communities is very important and i feel like that's the only way that we can um begin to find um prevention um techniques and approaches so that we can prevent ourselves from being exposed to uranium.
3: Okay. And, and thank you, Malcolm, for that information. And uh, Dr. Rock and Chris, do you have any comments about that Facebook comment from this woman? At all?
5: Uh, yeah, I have a comment on that. It's like, um, it all depends on...
3: And how this is Dr. Rock, really right? And this is Dr. Rock?
5: Yes, this is okay. Dr. Tommy Rock.
3: Okay, go ahead.
5: It all depends on how really active the ore is um, from that natural ore. Some of the uranium might be high, the writting nuclides might be high, then it will become hazardous. But if we're talking about the Grand Canyon, then that's where a lot of the high-grade unions are, is that. And so it all depends... Um, how much radiation uh, coming off and what the level of uranium ore is, is in the piece of um, rock. So it, it all depends.
3: Okay. And then, Chris, do you have any comments about that Facebook comment?
0: Uh, sure. Um, well, the comment focuses on the alpha radiation component of your natural uranium. That's one of its components. But it is, um, it's not the full story. Uh, first, you know, first of all, uranium is the heaviest known element on this, uh, naturally occurring element on the face of the earth. And it's a heavy metal. Uh, much of its toxicity is related to its chemistry as a heavy metal. Um, uh, and this has been borne out through, you know, lots of studies in laboratories and amongst people throughout the last 100 or so years. Uh, uranium has no known beneficial use to humans. It's not a nutrient. Um, it's essentially a poison. Um, the decay of uranium as a radioactive material leads to other uh, daughter products, is the old-fashioned word, or progeny, uh, that are much more radiotoxic. Uh, eventually, you get down from uranium-238 through a number of decays to radium-226, which is a known uh, uh, bone carcinogen, and eventually from there down to radon, an inert but radioactive gas that's present everywhere, including the homes and buildings that we live in and the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States. Uh, so the to kind of minimize... The effects of uranium, because you could hold a small amount of it in uh, your palm, is a little bit misleading in my view. Um, when uranium is concentrated in the Earth's crust as an ore uh, that's capable of being mined so that you take the uranium out and uh, you concentrate it for purposes of uh, making it into fuel for nuclear power, power plants or for um, what used to be nuclear weapons, Um, usually we find it in very high concentrations. And this is one of the problems with the abandoned mine problem throughout the western United States, more than 10,400 abandoned uranium mines, including more than 500 on the Navajo Nation alone. Uh, When we go out and we do assays of this material, this mine waste material, we find uh, very high concentrations of uranium. You mentioned that the the normal... uh, Crustal average is around three uh, parts per million. We can see easily 6,600, 9,000 parts per million in mine waste, uh, which, if you do the math, uh, that was uh, amongst the ores that they used to mine in the 40s, 50s, and 60s before a lot of these sites were abandoned. Uh, So the point is that just to focus on one aspect of the substance does something of a disservice to educating the public about the hazard of this stuff, um, especially when it's released from the ground. In in nature, uranium almost always exists in its quadrivalent form, uh, deposited near humates, old uh, dead plant deposits. Um, and when we humans come in and we extract it for mining purposes, or uh, and by different techniques. We're essentially exposing it to the air and helping oxidize the uh, ion to its uh, qua- uh, hexavalent form. And it's very mobile, highly soluble in water. It doesn't take much soil moisture for it to move around. So it's kind of the proverbial horse out of the barn. Once the horse is out of the barn, it's very difficult to put it back. And that's why we have such a difficult problem uh, throughout the West, and especially on Navajo, figuring out how to contain this stuff, uh, how to isolated for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years so it doesn't affect uh, future generations. Uh, and the burden right now is, uh, you know, it's, it's very heavy throughout the West of uh, trying to figure out what are the proper uh, disposal scenarios? Are we going to pick it up, move it around, consolidate the mine waste? Uh, there's really no new uranium mining that is occurring There are proposals to mine uranium, but the market doesn't allow it at this point. So we're focused on this legacy of impacts. And we can talk a little bit later about what we know about the health outcomes of those. But
1: uh, just
0: suffice to say that... It's please people should minimize exposure to uranium again because it really has no value uh, to the health of uh, human beings. Yes, it's only detrimental.
3: Yes, absolutely. And that's what I want to talk about after the break. We're going to talk about health, and I have other questions, so we need to go to a short break. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. And I have three guests with me today Malcolm Benali, Dr. Tommy Rock, and Chris Shuey. And this episode is all about uranium toxicity on hair tests. Stay tuned.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Kristen Harper is a health and wellness speaker and founder of Perfect Health Consulting Services. She inspires people all over the world to keep healthy, happy, and motivated. Get a virtual health coaching or hair mineral analysis package at PerfectHealthConsultingServices.com to help you get healthy and stay healthy. Also, go to KristenHarperSpeaks.com to hire Kristen Harper, a health and wellness speaker, for one of your events. Be sure to visit both of Kristen's websites, perfecthealthconsultingservices.com and k-r-i-s-t-e-n, harperspeaks.com. Now is the time to take your health to the next level and become the best version of yourself. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: You're listening to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with Kristen Harper. If you would like to connect with her, reach out via email to Kristen at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N at kristenharperspeaks.com now back to tips to keep you healthy happy and motivated
3: we are back this is kristen harper radio show host my show is tips to keep you healthy happy and motivated and today's episode is all about uranium toxicity on hair tests my special guests are malcolm Benali, dr tommy rock and chris Huey, and they are the best of the best when it comes to talking about this topic Uranium, And I wanted to mention, Dr. Watts, who's the founder of Trace Elements Hair Analysis Laboratory in Texas, that's the laboratory I use, he basically said that the uranium that is actually um, tested for on the hair analysis is basically total uranium present, okay, so it's it's total, and he did... um, Um, communicate with me and said that natural abundance for U-238 is approximately 99.3% while U-236 is about zero and then U-235 is less than 1%. So we have a bunch, I have a bunch of questions for my guests. So we're going to have to go through these questions really fast because we have about 30 minutes. And so if you could just maybe give me some short answers and we're going to go from one question to the next here. So with these hair tests that are showing uranium, and actually before we even get into that, if you could just talk about the adverse effects on health when it comes to uranium toxicity. Besides besides interfering with renal function, what are some other... Adverse
5: health effects. I've seen some of the stuff um, affecting the kidney, the liver, and uh, small and large intestine. And um, since stomach has some acid in it, acid uh, acts as a preservative. So, I see some in the stomach and some of the um, animal uh, testing that we have done on sheep.
3: Okay.
5: And and bone as well.
3: Yes. A lot of it's actually uh, in the bones, right? Yes. It's stored in the bones. And this is uh, Dr. Tommy Rock, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that good information. Any other comments about the adverse effects on health?
0: Well, this is Chris. Um, Yeah, Tommy's right. I mean, the, the majority of the literature is focused on uranium renal toxicity simply because uh, of the of the small amount that is uptaken into through the gut into the bloodstream, some of it makes it through the glomerulus, the filtration uh, suborgan of every nephron in the kidney, and from there, because of its large uh, molecular size, it can do great damage to what are called the proximal tubules, uh, and those are the ones that uh, help reabsorb low molecular weight proteins into the bloodstream, cleanse. Kind of cleanse the blood right so if those uh, tubules don't do their job correctly you can get pressure built back up in the system uh, and you know whether it's uh, uh, renal toxicity or or kidney disease caused by uh, trace metal uh, poisoning like in the case of uranium uh, either way it's a it's a it's an assault to the whole bodily system that can manifest itself in high blood pressure uh, eventually kidney failure um, we we also know from research that was done at uh, Northern Arizona University where Tommy went um, that there's estrogen mimicking properties of uranium uh, we know that because it looks like calcium to the body it will deposit in bone and from there it could decay and release a number of other mo- much more radiotoxic toxic uh, substances to the rest of the body um, we we, we, there's a lot about the uh, kinetics in the body that we're still uh, trying to figure out. Uh, people will say, well, you know, you only reabsorb three to 5% of any uranium you take in, but it's that three to 5% that does uh, uh, the damage. And hair analysis is one of the ways to tell, but any, any really kind of bodily fluid or bodily material analysis reflects uh, most recent exposures. And if you don't have, uh, say, a drinking water exposure or a food exposure, uh, then you may be missing uh, some uh, of the accumulation of uranium uh, in, the, in the body. Um, we do do um, you know, blood and urine uh, sampling in our Navajo birth cohort. Uh, we have seen increased levels of uranium and urine of mothers, fathers, we have, what, 230-some fathers in our study, 36% of them have uh, elevated uranium. By elevated uranium in their urine, I mean compared with the 95th percentile of all American adults. So instead of having, you know, one out of 20 people with a high level of uranium, in our study amongst the men, we essentially have almost uh, four in 10 we have detectable levels of uranium in the urine of newborn babies that is now in, be, uh, seen increasing through the first year. We don't know uh, what the long-term effects of this are or will be, but, again, since uranium has no uh, healthful benefit to the human organism, uh, this really can't be good.
3: Right. Uh, so and, there's definitely... And with... yeah. Go ahead.
0: And with um,
5: Chris's topic on child... On trial childhood exactly. we did see some uranium in sheep in the in the babies in the in the in the sheep stomach when when it was still a a fetus. So yeah, we do see that as well in, in the sheep study. <laughs>
3: Right. And I just want to say there's um, all tests are valuable as far as assessing health. That's what I feel. Um, I just want to let my listeners know because my background is in hair analysis and with toxins, toxins can actually leave the blood in 90 days or less and be pushed into the tissue such as the hair where the toxins are going to do less damage to the body. So toxins can be easily detected in the hair and uh, just wanted to move on to these other questions here because we have so many to get through. So in Mojave County, I have some clients that have uranium toxicity, so we need to identify the source, okay? And this is like more of a recent thing that was discovered. So we need to identify the source, and um, Lake Havasu is here. There's the Colorado River, of course, And some of these clients, they're not even drinking the city water. And just looking at the city water report, it doesn't seem like there's elevated levels of uranium. I sent the report to Malcolm and Tommy, so I don't think you saw anything that was high. But they're not drinking the city water. So my question is, where do you think the source is coming from? Is it coming from shower water? You know, when they're taking a shower, you think it's coming from the shower?
4: You know, like um a lot of times when I go to like um those department stores, even like Safeway or Walmart, like you'll see a lot of those bottled water in the plastic bottles. They'll be like sitting outside in the sun, you know, kind of like a surplus thing. And I read a lot of times where, you know, like if you put the bottled water in the sun with the plastic on it, that it can, you know do a lot of damage and everything and um, I know that when you're closest to the sun or high in elevation that the effects of uranium are higher and, um, you know, with the sun and water and everything. I don't know if
0: that would be the problem as well.
3: Well, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I I would say, Chris, and this is Chris, uh, that if... I mean, I'm looking at your your water quality data for Lake Havasu City and the uranium concentration uh, for the uh, year of 2014, was 6.8 micrograms per liter or parts per billion, that's roughly a fifth of the drinking water standards. So you're right, the uranium level in the city water is uh, low compared to what it could be. Uh, there's no replacing, testing, unregulated or private water wells uh, for uranium levels uh but that's usually but government doesn't do that for you that's yeah, that's uh individual homeowners that have to find a lab and and take samples and do it properly um, there is you know uranium in the in the food chain uh we don't know how much you really can't um, You really don't know until you start to look at the local environment to help explain why you may be seeing what you consider to be elevated uh, uranium levels and biological samples, including air. Uh, So it's, you know, really testing, uh, investigation and testing is what's needed to uh, begin to address the question.
3: Right, um, definitely. So Trace Elements they actually um, test water, and I was planning to send some water off to Trace Elements in Texas. And then uh, Dr. Rock, you had recommended um taking another avenue for the water testing. Can you talk about that? Um, I think you said you talked about um well, on Facebook. You told me about the EPA, and
5: oh, 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 it's like uh, the EPA is like um when you're doing the water sampling is like there's a EPA method that's uh, – so required under uh, public water or regulated water. Then there's another one, just um, total uranium. Um, you send that to a lab and can go and sample for uranium. Um, for for that, I think it goes all the way down to like parts per billion as well. So is the EPA method, as well, but there's just a two different ways of um, analyzing the, the water, and depending on if it's public or not.
3: Yeah, so I think uh, water testing is a great idea. And I mean, overall, though, do you think that one possibility could be taking showers?
5: Um, it could. It could be. It all depends on um, if it's a private well or not. If it's a private well, um, they could be tapping into a water source that's uh, contained by uranium. That could be it. Other than that, maybe there's a natural crop somewhere, um, and people are being exposed that way.
0: I would add, Kristen, that um, uh, the the risk uh, of showering is the water vapor that may be contaminated with the radon that is a decay product of natural uranium. Now, that decay goes through several other isotopes before it gets to radon. There was a standard that was proposed by U.S. EPA back in 1991 for uh, dissolved radon in public water systems, but it was never adopted. Um, and it is not regularly tested. So even in your annual uh, water quality report for Lake Havasu City, you won't find a dissolved radon concentration. So most of the time we don't know. It is proportional to the amount of U3, U238, which is, as you said, 99.3% of all naturally occurring uranium. Um, and so, again, you, you don't know until you test, and it's the same way. If you're on a private well, you don't know unless you test. Uh, so if people are concerned about what they may be inhaling uh, and having a risk through uh, uh, the inhalation pathway, then they really need to get have the water tested, and some of those uh, radionuclides uh, can be uh, pretty expensive uh, from uh, different laboratories depending on where you go.
3: Okay, so um, if any of you, uh, Tommy or um, Dr. Tommy or Malcolm, uh, can you maybe talk about how to do radon testing and how would someone go about doing that? Is there a website uh, that you would recommend?
4: Any kind of testing, I think um, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. And I think part of the challenge in working in any community is to get the community to trust um, people that are doing the studies and to organize around that so that people become active and interested and engaged in allowing themselves to be tested. And that's the only way we can counter and get a lot of the information information that we need to make the discoveries to really um, find the prevention techniques is to really learn and have people be forthcoming about their behavior in the home, you know, where they use the water and how they use the land and how they go about their daily environment. And, you know, if that information isn't forthcoming from the community, as far as demographics, you know, we're always going to have this problem. Uh,
0: Tristan, in our birth cohort study uh, we've done home environmental assessments at nearly 600 homes actually it's more like 650 now um, we do do indoor radon um, uh, analysis just through uh, little test kits that have activated charcoal in them uh, you can buy one at Home Depot or Lowe's and you know any depart any uh, uh, home improvement store um, they're usually short-term tests uh, three to seven days you get a you get back from the laboratory a concentration of radon in your indoor air. Now um, if you receive a concentration report that says it's above a certain guideline, I recommend you do it again. Uh radon, indoor radon is subject to um, seasonal variation. Uh it tends to be lower in the warmer months because people's homes are more ventilated, higher in the winter months when people's homes are less ventilated. Um, the, but the problem with radon in water is in its dissolved phase, it, it it's, those in home gas tests are not re- very effective. You still have to have a water sample that goes to a laboratory, uh, to do that. Um, we found, uh, in our study, as Malcolm mentioned, that acceptance, public acceptance is very important. And, yes. uh, we have a, a really high degree of, com- of collaboration and cooperation with our participants in the study because they want to know what they're breathing and what their children are breathing. Um, If you look at any website on radon, uh, again, second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States, largely from indoor uh, exposures, uh, uh, the overwhelming recommendation is to test the indoors during the winter months Uh, if if you get a hit Meaning above a, a recommend recommended level, do it again, uh, and then, if you're seeing a pattern across the the seasons of high radon, um, you can do a couple of things you, you need until you uh, can really retrofit your home, which can be quite expensive, increase ventilation uh, even in the wintertime, uh, crack a window, uh, take an electric fan and uh, and point it outward, in other words uh sucking air out of the room and uh, to the outside and in on Navajo we we also encourage people to keep a pot of water uh on the stove a lot of people still use wood and cold burning stoves and uh so the steam that comes off increases the relative humidity in the home and the relative humidity will abate uh mitigate uh, indoor radon levels so ventilation uh increased uh uh, humidity, and then if you still have a problem, you really need to seek professional help to uh, figure out how to mitigate it.
3: Okay, and then um, real quick, because I have some other questions I need to move on to, but as far as if they want to do radon testing through you, what website would they need to go to as far as a home kit? Uh,
0: just visit your local uh, home improvement store. Okay, that's probably just, the best or way. Google radon testing and you'll okay. find
3: a lot of links that you
0: can possibly look at
3: yeah okay that's good that's really good and then also i I just wanted to mention as far as i don't know if you guys recommend shower filters let's say that there is exposure from taking a shower do you recommend a shower filter um so that you can reduce uranium or i had a doctor um get in touch with me and she said that instead of a shower filter what's best is a whole house water filter instead that's more effective is that correct
5: yeah. Yes. And, yeah. um, I don't know how what? much they'll it, cost, but, uh, if they can find one, then, but it, it um, once it filters out the uranium oil, then it's like, um, it'll be up to the person's responsibility to get rid of that uranium waste. So, so if there's a place they can get, place they can dispose of, then it's like, um, they probably need to get that information. So, um, maybe they're uh, maybe ADDQ will have some information on that, or US EPA from Region 9, since we're in Region 9 um, region, so maybe they can give some um, advice on how, do, how to uh, dispose of that.
3: Okay, and then what are the two websites? Or where, can, where can my listeners go to get that information? org. <laughs> what is it?
0: No, don't we mean. don't. Uh, on our website, uh, Southwest Research and Information's website, uh, sric.org, we don't really have any information on that particular question. Okay. I'd okay. be very careful about um, using uh, in-home water treatment filtration systems of one kind or another uh, Uranium is amenable to reverse osmosis and uh, ion exchange types of treatments. I don't know their efficacy for uh, dissolved radon, though. Uh, That would have to be looked into very carefully because those home treatment systems can be very expensive. um, And for a lot of moderate to low income people, not affordable.
3: that, That is absolutely true. Do you know of any just regular shower filters that would do the job?
0: No, I don't set
3: up. Okay. Okay, so um, I have more questions for um, Malcolm and Tommy because they gave me questions earlier, but real quick, another Facebook comment. Uh, the this person said, the miners, she goes, let the miners mine it. The exposure you are seeing comes from the Colorado River that flows through the um, pipes. The Colorado River is a primary water source for Arizona. She said that modern mining actually decreases the uranium in the river by mining it out of the water. How do you feel about that comment?
5: I would say I disagree with it. But then, like, um, once it gets into the Colorado River, though, the Colorado River has a lot of heavy metal in there. It will, um, dilute
0: the the uranium that's coming off. I really don't know what it means to mine the Colorado River. I mean, I think that if, if, the, if Lake Havasu City is getting most of its municipal water supply from the Colorado River, uh, they, the city is required to do substantial treatment, not just for uranium, but for all kinds of contaminants that may be in surface water, including, you know, pathogens and, you know, things down to... Um, uh, you know pharmaceuticals these days because you know water treatment plants re- release the stuff that we ingest and eventually excrete and and so um, it, it, you have to I mean I think that telling people how to find their what they call consumer confidence reports for their uh, water system which you provided us for Lake Havasu City that should be in a in an in an uh uh, on a website for the city, people can read it. They can look at the concentrations compared to the standards. If they have questions, they ought to be able to call the water, uh, water department yes. and ask how those, what kind of treatment is done. Uh, and the okay. results are there right in the, in the report, and you can look at them yes. and compare them with the uh, standards.
3: Okay, so we have about uh, four minutes left. So, Tommy, you sent me some questions and then also Malcolm. So I want to give some time to Tommy and then Malcolm. Uh, Tommy, the questions you sent me, is there anything that you want to share to my listeners that you feel is the most important? I'll just give you a couple minutes, and then I want to give the last two minutes to Malcolm. Go ahead, Tommy.
5: Yes, the groundwater contamination. um, Even though... um, one of the work that we worked in or a town called Sanders, like even though there's no uranium mining or milling
3: was in that area,
5: and there was some that happened upriver up from the Perker River Valley. So Sanders, um, Sanders is in Arizona, right by the New Mexico border, and there's a Perker River that goes through there. And a lot of the mining happened upriver. Uranium mill, one of the worst accidents pertaining to uranium happened there back in 1979. So for a long period, um, there was no indication that we need water contamination and so we did a study, we did a study back in 2015 and we found a lot of, the, um, groundwater contamination in the, um, aquifer along the Perker river. So the groundwater contamination can take a long time, a long time to, to show up in the, um, um, in the results. So um, so. Even though you don't see it now, it might show up later if there's like um, uranium mining happening or uranium do up up upriver.
3: Okay. Well, I, I thank you so much for being on my show. I know that you've been researching uranium for so long. It's been since uh, 2006, or how long has it been now, Tommy?
5: 2006.
3: Yeah, 2006. Now, if they want to reach you, because you're a wealth of knowledge, how would my listeners get a hold of you if they want to get more information? And also, you're coming out with a film about uranium. So can you talk about that for yes, just 30 seconds, and we got to move on to Malcolm.
5: Yes, it's called Radioactive Nations with some friends of mine, and also they can reach me at rockt92 at gmail.com. And we're also doing a um, conference called The Stonic and have UNM, NAU, and the University of Arizona along with the college coming out and inform the community about um, uranium contamination and uranium exposure as well.
3: Okay. And then also Tommy Rock is on Facebook as well. And Malcolm, um, last comments that you want to talk about uh, uranium and then any resources that you have. And Tommy, as far as if my listeners want to learn more about uranium, you have about a minute left.
4: Okay. Well, um, all a lot of people in the Southwest would uh, I recommend is to look at the history of the Navajo people. Um, you can start with reading Judy Pasternak's um, book. Um, um, what was it called? Um, Yellow Dirt. He- Yellow Dirt. Yeah, um, it's um, it's a really good book. Judy Pasternak was a Los Angeles Times journalist at the time she wrote the book that she she won a Pulitzer Prize with. Um, and from that, um, the study, the Navajo Burst co Study um, from the Waxman hearings has created an organization with the University of New Mexico, Navajo Nation Department of Health, um, the ICS facilities with burden units, and all the trainers that are young Navajo, mainly women, and they're learning how to test water, do home environmental assessments and things like that, so that they can bring that knowledge back down to the community. And this is something that happened in Flint and a lot of the, um, um, you know, the, the things that came out of that, that people learned about lead poisoning and things like that. These are the only ways that we can begin to change things is to engage the community at the grassroots level. Um, you can find a lot of information at, um, www, or, um, let me see, healthyvoices.unm.edu. And that's my landing page and it'll connect you to our blog site and also the website with the College of Pharmacy at the University of New Mexico. And we have a lot of ways to clean water that um, we're done on NPR, um, all the history of the work that has been done by the University of New Mexico Community Environmental Health Program. And thank you for having me on the show.
3: Yes, uh, thank all, uh, I just want to thank um, all of you. You guys are a wealth of knowledge, uh, definitely experts when it comes to uranium, and it was an honor to have all of you on my show. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. And I just wanted to say that... It's important, I feel it's important to always get a test done so you know what you're uh, toxic in. So, for example, if you're toxic in uranium, you get a test done, such as the hair analysis Um or another test and then also it's important to identify the source and reduce your exposure and then also it's important to remove it from the body and also when Cindy Bartz was on earlier I just wanted to mention I'm not a fan of um, herbs or yoga actually I'm not most of the herbs can be toxic and I'm actually more into meditation and please If you would like to get in touch with me, send me an email to Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, send me an email. My show is on voiceamerica.com on the Health and Wellness channel and also on KFNX. And also I just wanted to mention, I recommend spring water for drinking and not reverse osmosis. And if you'd like to learn more about me, Go to PerfectHealthConsultingServices.com. You can check out my hair analysis packages to balance body chemistry naturally. And also my speaking website, which is KristenHarperSpeaks.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N, HarperSpeaks.com. And have a wonderful week.
2: Thank you for being a part of the show this week.